Hello friends, what's going on? Welcome back to the Anchor Point Podcast. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Hotshot Brewery, of course, our premier coffee sponsor. So head over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out the full line of merch. You can get t-shirts, you can get sweatshirts, you can even get some exclusives, like some Anchor Point Podcast sweatshirts and tees. Ooh, yeah, they're going to be shipping soon. So get you uh, some pre-order going and get yourself a sweatshirt or a t-shirt from the Anchor Point Podcast with Hotshot Brewery. Yeah. And while you're at it, you might as well go over there and pick up some coffee and some other tools of the trade to get your morning started right. It is good coffee for a good cause, and a portion of the proceeds goes to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So once again, go check them out, www.hotshotbrewing.com. Another sponsor of ours is going to be the American Wildfire Experience. Yeah, also known as the Smoky Generation. Bethany has an awesome program going on over there, and they've also teamed up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps to facilitate some grants for you folks in the field who happen to be photographers, writers, bloggers, cinematographers. Well, with that being said, actually, the 2020 grant applications are opening up here pretty soon, I believe at the end of the month in December. So get your name in the hat. It's an opportunity to win, uh, I think, I believe, a $500 uh, grant sponsored by Mystery Ranch, Water Axe Pumps, and the Smoky Generation. So if you got some cool stuff out there, make sure you submit a uh, story or your project to those guys, and hopefully you guys can win. And uh, what the Smoky Generation does is it's a digital storytelling platform for Wildland Fire dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's pretty sweet. Check them out www.wildfireexperience.org or you can check them out on Instagram at The Smoky Generation. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 24. Today on the show, I've got Adam Klein. He's a spotter for the Alberta Repel Program, the Alberta Repellers up in Canada, and he is currently without a job. You know why? I don't know if you guys have heard this. You probably have, maybe have, but the Alberta government decided to uh, cut the entire Repel Program over the cost of $23 million. Yep, that's right. After three back-to-back-to-back catastrophic wildland fire seasons up in Canada, they decided to cut a initial attack platform that can keep fires small and save a hell of a lot of timber, oil and gas, and rural communities by keeping fires small. And they cut it. And today on the show, we are going to talk about how we can save it and why they should save it. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Klein on the Anchor Point Podcast. Welcome to the Anchor Point All right, dude, let's get it. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 24. Today on the show, I've got Adam Klein. He is a spotter for the Alberta Repel, Repel Program. See, I can't even I can't even talk today. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Adam? 
It's going very well. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and all your American viewers. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, yeah, it's Black Friday right now, so I'm kind of avoiding the crowds. This is where all the uh, hyper consumerism goes on in America, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely not a part of that. I could avoid the crowds. It's going to be great. I could sit here in the comfort of my own studio and talk to you instead about fire. Well, hey, I can promise you the corporations in Canada love the idea of Black Friday as well as it's running rampant up here as well. So yeah, I'm really? sure there's people getting trampled in the malls as we speak. So. They're fist fighting <laughs> over TVs and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. So we got you on the show today because as uh, well for the listeners out there, Alberta's repel, repel program has been essentially gutted. It's cut entirely from the provincial government, correct? That's correct, yeah. 63 positions are lost. And now, what the hell is going on with that? Why in the world would you take a, an, an initial attack platform to catch fires when they're small before they come catastrophic, and then especially cut that program after three gnarly seasons back to back to back? What the hell? Yeah, you know what, we're... Uh you know, we've tried to make sense of that in our heads as well, and, and we just can't. We can't see any real uh, logical reason as to why this. they would come to this conclusion um, for cutting our program. Uh, you know, our province right now, we're going through some tough times economically. Uh, we got a new uh, premier, uh, equivalent to state governor, uh, this year. Big budget cuts, you know, very fiscally conservative guy. Uh, and we understand, you know, we do need to to make some changes with how we spend our money in all aspects of the province. Wildfire is not susceptible to that. Um, however, what our point is, is that this is not a fiscally responsible decision. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, for the last month or so, that's what we've been trying to explain to everybody is, um, this is putting the public uh, safety at risk as well as it, it's not gonna end up saving any money. In fact, we believe it's gonna end up costing the province a lot more money. Well, of course, and uh, like you were saying earlier, I mean, there's a lot of industry within the uh, province, right? So there's a lot of logging industry, there's a lot of oil and gas, and there's a lot of wooey as well, like wildland urban interface. So not only is it causing a potential impact to revenues for the uh, province, but it's also potentially impacting lives, this decision here. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we have uh, the Fort McMurray fire in 2016, uh, 2011 Slave Lake, as well as uh, uh, another fire in the Fort, Fort McMurray uh, Forest Protection Agency, the or area, the uh, Bitumen Fire, which was one of the largest fires we've ever had. Um, and so, you know, we have repel crews were on all of those. We, we were helping those. We, you know, we were extra firefighters there, too. So to remove 63 um, spots from that is insane. You know, um, pretty much all of our uh, you know, nine crews went up to high level last year. I'm not sure how, if you guys, uh, if that news made it down to you guys, but we had, yeah, another catastrophic fire up there this year where we had to evacuate a, a whole town again. And uh, so, to, so to go backwards on this and, and yeah, we're, the wheels turn in the wrong way. We're going the wrong direction and how we fight fires. That's insane, man. I, I just don't understand it. Like why you would get rid of an initial attack platform, an effective initial attack platform like that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, there's a lot of bad data out there, too. Uh, we had our agriculture and forestry uh, minister uh, throw out some really bad stats that were just so easily refutable and, and just kind of uh, insulting that he would even throw them out there. One of them being uh, the 2% one. Um, you know, they were saying, you know, repel crews are only used 2%. And, and we know that that's not true. I, I actually had a meeting with the assistant deputy minister uh, last week. 
and we discuss these stats and, and we know two percent is it's all fires sort of a thousand fires we're talking 20 fires still right um they're hoping to save 1.4 million dollars which is you know in the fire world we know that's a drop in the bucket no that's um, nothing if i cut in the repel program especially in alberta like we just we fight fires more expensively up there we just do again like you were saying um, with all our industry and wooey up there, we, we just can't afford to let fires burn. We have to attack quickly. Um, sorry, yeah. I lost my train a little bit there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, that's good. So 2% of fires, they're saying that Thank you. Thank you're you. only yes. on 2% of them. And that, I know 2%. that's BS. That's, that's a straight up bullshit statistic exactly. right there. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our, our numbers are typically around 18 to 20%. Um, that we're repelling onto, and then it's not the stats also not taken into account. Uh, um, you know the the repels that we're doing on these complex fires where we're cutting helipads. Um, it also you know these stats don't take into account the search and rescue and the medical missions that we've done over the past few years, which is becoming more and more prevalent uh, uh, in our program as well. So um, it, it's not taken into account a lot of the factors. Uh, so speaking of that, since we're on the subject, now explain how Alberta's repel program goes, because I, from my understanding, um, it's a multi-use platform. So it doesn't matter if it's search and rescue, uh, cutting in hell a spot, uh, whatever, just doing initial attack. And also you guys will drive into fires and crew up, doing air quotes here, you guys will crew up <laughs> as well and uh, go in there and fight fire. So explain yeah. the repel program. Like what, what exactly is your mission? What do you guys do? So... What, how we like to describe it, though, is we're just like any other firefighter. We just have a, a, an extra specialty skill. We can repel. And that affords us a lot of extra opportunities, uh, opportunities out there um, and provides us with a certain versatility. Um, that doesn't diminish the strength of other programs. It's just saying that's one of our strengths. Um, so typically, we are considered, yeah, an initial attack uh, resource. Uh, we'll go out there, we'll man up, you know, five minute, 10 minute getaways. It's a little bit different than how it operates in the States, but we do, you know, uh, depending on the hazard, we'll be on five or 10 minute getaways. And that means in the air called off within that, uh, that time. Uh, we attack them quick. Yeah, we try to keep them to the one tree wonders. Uh, our goal, our like provincial objectives is uh, two hectares by 10 a.m. the next morning or the next burning period. Um, and, and we're really good at doing that. The last stat that they've had that's shown it, uh, we were 98% uh, in repel, so only 2% of fires getting away. Um, however, we'll be used on any any project ever, uh, wherever they need us. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the great things is we always have a helicopter. Uh, so when times are slow, you know, especially down in the mountains, uh, we're going to do projects up there. Uh, last year, we built a shed on top of a mountain. Uh, I've dug about four latrine holes on mountains in the last years because we were there. Um, we're going on campaign fires. Um, above that, too, we're filling our crews, our seven-man crews are able to fill uh, single resource uh, requests as well. Uh, so our spotters and leaders can be task force leaders, division supervisors, ASGS, um, you know, which is, which are resources, qualified resources that our province is really struggling for right now. Um, if any Americans came up to the States last year, up to high level or anything, they probably would have seen that and known that. Um, but yeah, they, they, I don't know. We're just regular firefighters that have an extra capacity. You just got to uh, you guys pretty much just have a six million dollar taxi <laughs> associated yeah, that's with pretty it. Pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And no, I like how you like throw the price in there too, because uh, uh, that's another you know one of our cost effectiveness things is we have uh, six contract helicopters mm -hmm. for the year. 
So, you know, that, that makes it a little easier for uh, the brass in the office to make it look like we're really expensive. And, you know, if you, if you cut our program, you'll save all this money. Um, but it's been shown, you know, four to five years uh, on average, contract helicopters are saving you money over the season. Um, Absolutely. If you got exclusive use, you know, uh, you have this ship for, you know, whatever your 120 day contract or whatever, when it goes on, I'm, I'm not sure that's how it works down here in the States, but yeah. up in Canada, um, I, I, I'm assuming that it's pretty similar. Yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I can't tell you the exact spec on like the days, uh, but it's around 100, 120. Um, and yeah, we have six mediums for the season there. Um, so, I mean, we had up like over 50 helicopters up in high level this year and, and most of them came from spec right so you want to talk about cost savings so what's spec <laughs> spec is that like a call when needed like a contract call it, when needed? It, exactly these companies will just you know fly and sit at airports and, and wait to be called to contract or like by contract for the government and they'll work on however many hours they're, they're assigned to gotcha um, Again, yeah, contract. So it's real similar down here, down here as well. I mean, exclusive use. I mean, that ship is pretty much nationally funded, and it's going to be glued to your module, right? But when you get a CWN ship, a call when needed ship, that's when it gets real pricey. But you know, it's a necessity. You know, the the right. means, you know, dictate the end state of that that program. So, I mean, I understand exactly. the yeah, I understand the value in it. But you know, I mean when you have such a valuable uh, initial attack platform to get to fires fast and keep them small, you're saving money in the long run. It doesn't matter right. if it's a $6 million aircraft. I mean, that's just the price of the, the taxi. Yeah. And all this stuff yeah. is also cost recoverable uh, up in, it's very similar to the United States. It's cost recoverable to the fire up there. That's exactly it. it you know, if you want to look at it and, and actually truly see the cost benefit analysis, uh, you will see that the value is there, uh, but they're looking for a quick fix, super short-sighted, pretty placid government. <laughs> you know, um, how can I make my boss happy by shaving this much money off? So, um, yeah, and unfortunately, our province is being decimated with that in all sort, like all areas of public health care. So, getting our voice out there and, and kind of prominent in all, in all this fight is uh, incredibly difficult uh, when we're dealing with nurses and teachers <laughs> losing their jobs and money as well. So, oh wow. So what happens to the oil industry, though? Because I know it's huge up there, the oil and timber industry. I mean, are they paying their fair share as far as taxes go? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm really happy you asked that, too. Uh, that's kind of the biggest slap in the face of this whole thing is uh, our, our premier, again, equivalent to state governor, is uh, he just gave a $4.8 billion tax break to these oil corporations who have still continued to leave Alberta anyways. Many of them have one of our biggest companies actually just moved down to Texas like within the last couple months. Um, so yeah, he gave big tax breaks to the, the rich guys trying to promote business. Didn't happen anyways. Uh, you know, rich get richer, poor get poor kind of idea. Jeez. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> every, every country's got its problem. It's real similar down here as well. hundred percent. You know, what's funny a though. Lot is, of, a lot of barrels. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny too. You guys got the oil sands thing going on up there and uh, high level and, uh, down here, all of our gold companies, and especially in Nevada, a majority of them are Canadian-owned, ironically. And that's that so funny that. that your oil companies are moving to the, the States. It's, yeah. That's weird to me. I don't know. Yeah, no. It's complicated. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's beyond me a little bit there. I guess it makes business sense, but, you know, that's way above my head. So. Right. 
tell me about like how do we fix this? I mean, how can we spread awareness as far as saving the Alberta Repel program? Yeah, that's great. A great question. I, I think our major chance of actually getting it reinstated right now um, is going to be political momentum. Um, so again, for the as far as the public goes, it's going to be signing that petition. Um, I'm hoping to get a meeting with the minister here uh, before Christmas. Uh, so he's kind of second in command in the province as far as we for agriculture and forestry, at least. Um, so I'm hoping to have a talk with him, try to lay out these issues, issues that I wasn't able to kind of talk to with the, the, the assistant deputy minister. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm going to bring the, uh, that petition in, all these signatures. Uh, right now we're passing around another kind of petition, but it's more, it's called the joint letter. It's, uh, we're getting counselors from all over the province um, in fire affected areas, areas where repel programs have worked for the last six years. And, emphasize onto it as well to just show um, the premier and the and the, and the minister uh, that, that we have weight we have support uh, people aren't happy with this decision at any level um, so it's not yeah it's not 63 people hoping to get their job back we're, we're telling the province that they need us and, and and you know the province so far has been pretty good at backing us up that's good i mean uh, it sounds like you guys got a pretty good uh effort of momentum here going already but it's going to take you know an army literally <laughs> so no, absolutely hopefully we can share some information with everybody and uh get you guys reinstated because if it's one thing i really hate is seeing beautiful forests burn you know or right. even worse is industry uh property people's homes burning that sucks man right right yeah and we're not Far removed from that at all you know that that feeling that experience uh you know the air quality the last two years in our two biggest cities of calgary and edmonton um have been abysmal you know and people are complaining about it every day uh i think it's a little harder for them to make that connection when we're just coming into our winter and it's uh you know minus 20 degrees fahrenheit but we got to remember that that's that's a problem this issue isn't going away just because the winter season is here you know we can't be that short-sighted we have to look further into this we have to understand that fire is only going to get more devastating our industry is only going to expand even further we need to deal with this now absolutely and now as far as the cost analysis too um i mean do you have like a good solid package to present to the provincial leadership um that's been one of the most difficult parts right now um, is getting that information, uh, that empirical data, uh, so we can do our own actual numbers. A lot of that we just don't have yet. Uh, it's a slow process getting information like that from the government. Uh, it's all been submitted. It's all in. We're trying to do that. We're trying to build our own analytics. Uh, but again, that takes time. And, um, you know, we're just a program of a bunch of unemployed people right now as well as you know our alumni have been incredibly helpful and we have alumni stretching very far like far reaches of, of success here uh, you know lawyers and professional like anal people that do analytics for a living uh, doctors and so it's nice to be able to lean on to them and, and and they've been helping so much too which i think is just a testament to the value this program does have you know people i've never met people who were in the program in the 80s um and, and they're looking where they can help out in any sort of way and it's just you know they don't owe anything to the program at this point but they obviously see the value in it and they want to help so uh, that's been really inspiring in all of this as well and incredibly necessary to help me navigate through this so i'm not a uh, not a professional politician by any means but that's kind of the role i've been thrown into here it's funny how that happens right but that's a cool yeah. thing too is like you know it's it, 
our tribe, the Wildland Firefighter Tribe, doesn't matter what country you're in, we are ravenously supportive of each other. So when it comes to it comes to stuff like this, yeah, that's important, man. So if anybody's out there listening in Canada, definitely definitely hit up Adam here and check it out and help any way you guys can because this is important. And and, and that's the other thing too, you know, like we we want to say like. I would have absolutely thought that I had job security um, before this incident, you know. Uh, again, with the way the fires are going, what our program does, uh, it just doesn't make sense. So, uh, you know, I thought I was safe and not to like fear monger or anything, but like you guys could be, you know, whoever's listening, it could be your program next, it could be your job next. So I think we got to take a stand for this now um, before it gets too out of control. So speaking of you know the, the whole fear thing too, I mean, is there a big push for your provincial leadership to have all of the uh, firefighting efforts kind of privatized, like kind of contract crews or? Well, that, it's funny on that too. Uh, originally, one of uh, the minister's quotes as well was that ninety percent of uh, firefighters are contract, uh, which is just abhorrently not true in uh, in, in Alberta. Um, but that is kind of what they're thinking they'll go to. Uh, nothing's about that transparent. Nothing, nobody's saying anything like that yet. Um, but with the way that our uh, premier is, the way he kind of runs, kind of, uh, oh, I want to be careful with my words here, but he's not very pro-union. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, so it's kind of looking like it's headed in that, that direction. But uh, yeah, I can't say for certain. It, nothing's been spoken directly about that but that's definitely what it looks like well that's the scary thing about this whole situation is that it it has unintended effects you know it has cascading effects too if i mean if this is going to be a precedent for your province i mean who's going to who else is going to jump on board that's exactly it so um yeah and that's what we're saying you know it starts with us right now but we're a pretty small program 63 out of you know about uh, 600 700 uh, up to a thousand firefighters really it's small, but it matters still, and that's what we're saying. So, you know, any job loss in this has got to be, has to be actioned against. Um, you know, when we're bringing in firefighters from BC, the states, South Africa, Australia, you know, several times in the last five years, you got to ask yourself, why are we cutting our own resources that we have? Um, it just doesn't make much sense. Sounds like they're putting a uh, band-aid on an arterial bleed. That's exactly it. That's honestly exactly what it seems like right now. Um, yeah. Well, it doesn't make financial sense, too, because, I mean, there's there's extensions of that financial responsibility. If this whole thing is about money, you know, I mean, you guys provide a value, uh, even though if you're seasonal. I mean, you guys are still doing fuels reduction. You guys are doing prescribed fire. You guys are doing uh, thinning projects, everything. I mean, it's, it, it, the buck doesn't just stop at repelling into wildland fires. No, absolutely not. And, you know, I, one of our biggest cost savers or, or, or points of value I think we have actually um, is our, our retention, our experience that we have in this program. Um, our, our province actually just created a, a retention task force last year to kind of address our, our retention issue that we've been facing. Um, and I was ha- luckily able to re- represent Repel on that task force. Nice. Apparently I didn't do a good enough job. The, the irony in that is pretty hilarious. But the thing is, uh, our Repel program had the best retention out of, out of any of the programs, like bar none. Um, 
you know, our guys with over 10 years of experience, you know, we have way more of those guys than anybody else. And we looked at Ontario's retention. Uh, they did more studies, and that's what we're kind of following in their footsteps. Um, and Ontario, they they specifically stated, you know, your most, your biggest asset for resource is your crew leader with six years or more of experience, is what they were saying, uh, as far as frontline workers. And, and you know, over a third of our program is made up of those guys exactly. Um, you know, we have over 20 of them, like 25 guys with over six years of experience and leadership training. Um, so to get rid of that is, is not only detrimental to, you know, the program, but your entire wildfire uh, operations that you have now. Now you're getting rid of like over hundreds of years of experience, um, which just can't be, <laughs> you know, you can't get that back. No, you can't. Um, and once it's gone, like, I, I don't think a lot of these guys too in the you know sitting in their office realize how much uh experience and retention plays and and cost savings on a fire you know um if you can get that one leader to turn those down those tankers when when they're really not needed you know or you know set the bucket chip down a little bit earlier or uh, you and i can think of probably a million ways that a crew leader can save a bunch of money on a fire oh yeah Um, that's there right so um I, i think that has to be taken into account for sure um not only that but like i was saying too you know we were helping uh fill in those single resource orders uh where our province was absolutely struggling um for qualified task force leaders or strike team leaders we just couldn't find them and luckily yeah we have two on every single repel release so and that's the thing man it's like it, it, it provides value to other programs as well i mean if you guys have you know a, a task force of engines or you know the hack crews as well i mean that is right. The hat crews, that's kind of like the Canadian version of hot shots, right? Oh, uh, well, the hat guys are like helicopter guys. I guess our equivalent to the hot shots would be our unit crews. Those are our unit crews. Hacks. That's the one I was, yeah, that's the one I was yeah. looking for is unit crews. Yeah. But if you yeah. guys have the opportunity to provide, you know, leadership and whatever, whether it be divisions or task force leaders or whatever, that's, right. that's huge. That benefits the entire fire program, not just repelling. No, exactly. And above all that too, uh, you know, I, it's, I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, five or six of our guys are, are chainsaw trainers in the, in the province. Our chainsaw training works a little bit different than uh, anywhere else in the world that I'm aware of. But, uh, you got to tell yeah, me about the fun. boots, man. What's up with the boots and chainsaws? <laughs> oh, man, I don't even... <laughs> now you're really trying to make me angry, aren't you? <laughs> I got to get you fired up, man. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, we were already fired up enough that we have to wear steel toes. Now these chainsaw boots is absolutely ludicrous. That's uh, that's bureaucracy at its finest. People thinking they're being safer, hey? But, uh, <laughs> I'll yeah, never now, understand now, that. Now I'm going to talk for the next 40 minutes about the boots. I, think. <laughs> I don't even care about repel anymore. But, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there again. Uh, it's all good, man. But yeah, um, so the whole added value thing, though, with the Repel program, how it benefits other forests, other units, whatever. I mean, that's the thing that kind of baffles me, too. It's like you, it, the consequences of this are multifaceted. And right. It, Sorry. And that's, uh, yeah, it brought me back to the chainsaw training. And, and that's actually something like, I know it might sound uh, kind of s- small, uh, very small factor, but you don't think we're training almost all the guys in the province every single year how to run the saws, or at least half of our guys are, are present when teaching these guys. Um, so that's pretty scary too, to think that every year during our training now, you're going to have to replace those chainsaw trainers. And uh, I would argue that we have some of the best in, in the, in the province. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too, is like the attrition rate with other programs too, 
I mean, we need qualified people. Like you were saying earlier, you had 100 years of experience and we're struggling with retention, which is very mirrored down here in the States as well. But when you lose that experience and you have to replace it and build it back up, I mean, you're hamstringing yourself. It sucks. Yeah, and, and, and tossed in training alone. Like, let's take a look at that, right? Having to, having to train 63 new guys. Um, yeah, it's absolutely hamstringing them and, and, and wearing them thin. And it's absolutely a safety issue. There, there's an absolute liability now. Um, again, I'll go back to the chainsaw thing because I do feel pretty strongly about that. Um, yeah, we'll have to look at, you know, chainsaw incidences within the past few years and coming into the next few years of propel spreading. I'd be very curious to see these. But these just aren't the, the kind of little details, you know, I say little, but it's clearly not a little issue when you're out there on the fire line running a saw. But uh, that the people higher up making these decisions, uh, running the numbers, they're just not looking into. And, that, and that's, you know, our whole uh, movement here is just showing them that they're they're doing things too fast. Uh, they haven't looked at things enough. You know, they haven't done any sort of cost-benefit analysis, and that's kind of our job right now. So, gotcha, man. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you gotta save it. Those those initial attack crews, they we we thrive out. You guys thrive out there, and you keep fires small. So, speaking of saving this, like, how can what can we do? Like, we have you have a, uh, a you work with a website, not the website, but the Instagram, the social media profile, uh, Save Alberta Repel. And that's yeah. going great. That's awesome. Um, what else can we do? That's a great question right now. And I'm going to be a little bit honest. Uh, we're in a bit of a limbo phase right now. Um, so we, like I was mentioning earlier, we just had a meeting with the assistant deputy minister, which is a pretty big deal to get that, uh, you know, he's not talking to guys like me on a regular basis. Um, but we had a very like candid chat. We, you know, talked for a very long time for a meeting with him. Um, you know, it was, it was, relatively diplomatic but in, in the end he was stood by his decision so now we're just taking it to that next level you know again we're trying to get as much political momentum as we can um as far as you know municipalities elected officials getting on board with that and in order for them to get on board with that they have to see that it's an actual issue within the province so getting signatures on our change.org uh, uh petition that we have it's, it's almost eight thousand. Uh, signatures now again if you go change.org and search wildfire repel um will come up and you can kind of read about that sign it anybody that has any questions for me too like just contact me like adam klein anything save alberta repel on instagram or facebook um so many of us are happy to answer any kind of questions about what we're doing and kind of what our goal is um so unfortunately there's not a whole lot of kind of like uh, you know grassroots movement stuff that can be done at this specific stage. Um, just keeping ourselves relevant, uh, staying in the media, um, letting people know that, you know, we're not going to go away just because you said no to us once, right? We have to keep fighting. Uh, we knew he was going to probably say no. It would have been an absolute miracle if I walked into that office and had a meeting and he said, you know what, you're right. We're giving you your, <laughs> your program back. So we're going to have to continue fighting a little bit harder. Um, I just had a meeting with our union uh, yesterday too. Um, they're fully supporting us as well. So you know, when that time comes, we're going to utilize that a bit further. Once we're going to start standing on, you know, city hall and legislature buildings, that's when we're going to need people to step up, come out, show their presence. Um, but until we have those dates, yeah, just you know, support online, uh, sharing articles, that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, I definitely will post some of those links in my uh, show notes on the show here. And uh, we'll try and gain as much exposure to, well, save the Alberta Repel program. Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, man. So 
Now, you, you said there were 63 folks that have just been cut, right? That's correct, yeah. So that's not including the people that run the ships, the mechanics, the aviation crews, all that other stuff, fuel tender drivers. And, you know, that's, it's more than just 63 people or 61 right. people that are getting their jobs cut. So yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of value in that, especially with what's at risk, you know, what's truly at risk. You have a lot of oil industry, you have a lot of timber industry, and it's mostly uh, timber up there. So, I mean, unless you go a little bit, whether that be west, then it gets a little bit more plains. Or no, east, yeah. rather. East. Well, only southeast kind of is plains. But uh, there, there is still, like, yeah, that's where we're saying there's either forestry or oil virtually everywhere you look in this province, right? Um, and, and actually, just to jump back on another one of the, the points about, uh, yeah, like pilots and engineers kind of losing their jobs as well. One of the other ludicrous parts about this cost-saving things is uh, I'm almost positive four of our helicopters out of six are still going to be on contract. <laughs> So um, they won't be able to back out of those. So they'll have four rappel-capable helicopters working for the next at least two years. With nobody um, staff without, without any rappel crews on them. So, I mean, you want to talk about a utilization issue. I think that's a, a main point there. Um, wow. Just a lack of utilization. Um, that makes but, zero sense. Right, I, I know. And, uh, yeah, it's insane. It, but back to your uh, question there, too getting these oil and forestry guys to kind of step up has been quite difficult as well they're awful they will offer us their you know verbal support of course but um we really got to pound into them that this is their revenues at stake but unfortunately this whole thing is relatively political and there's just a lot of uh, yeah political turmoil going on in our province right now so speaking up on any level for anybody it, you know, you're taking a risk, and it's a sad world that we live in when, when that's it, right? when you're risking your livelihood for standing up for what's right. No, it's a brave it's a brave thing to do, I, honestly. Standing up for what's right, you know. I mean, this is the right thing to do. So I know you're taking an incredible risk here, and uh, I applaud you for that. But Thank you. I do realize the risks that are involved with it because you may never come back to the Repel program. But if you could no. save it, dude, kudos to you. It's awesome all worth it that's that's exactly it right so yeah I, you know we, we understand it's gonna be a long hard road ahead possibly um but i i don't plan on quitting anytime soon and neither do a lot of a lot of our followers here a lot of guys in rebel yeah won't give up on this so good it's passionate passion is important especially with an issue like this yeah and, and you know like speaking to firefighters it's easy them to relate and have that empathy understanding this isn't just a job you know i know everyone kind of says that to the point where it's a bit of a moral platitude but if but it's very true if you've been in it it's just not just a job it, you know it's your lifestyle it's, it's so much more than that it, the person it builds you into you know that's what we've said to you there's no one that's come into the repel program that's left a worse person um and i'd say that's probably true for almost any fire, firefighting organization or oh, absolutely i think so um but but yeah it, you know, I was actually, I got my start in the helipad program as well. So um, I absolutely see the value in that as well. And that's another kind of big point that um, I think we spoke a little bit about before. But, um, yeah, getting support from within our own uh, wildfire program in Alberta. Um, again, you know, we there's always going to be those, uh, what do you say, a, a feud, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, where you just jest at each other for being in a different program and that's all it is right um at the end of the day though we're on the same team that's the thing 
and ultimately, right, same goal, same team. We're stringing that uh, Pulaski right beside you. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, unfortunately, I feel like this is something I have to address, uh, you know, with, with, at least with my firefighters in Alberta, is that uh, whatever you've seen in the media about, yeah, elite firefighters cut or whatever, just understand we're not writing that. And, you know, we don't think we're better than you, but understand that this is our time of need right now, right? So trying to build up our strengths without diminishing your program. And that's actually one of the big conversations I had with the deputy minister as well, was uh, that he understands, you know, we, we have kind of a toolbox approach to fighting fires in Alberta, which is what I, how I feel the best way to do it. You know, every program has their own strengths and weaknesses. We, we use different tools to fight different fires in different areas. It, it's the greatest way to do it. And uh, the States is, you know, pretty much followed suit on that as well, or they, they do something very similar. Um, so what we're doing is we're getting rid of a tool and, you know, we're not replaceable either as a program and we have human external cargo and there's absolutely value in that program as well. But as the deputy minister himself said, it's not a replacement. And, and that's, and that's really what we need to get through to people as well. Um, Cause I think the public think that the, the heck program is just going to replace repel. And that's just not true either. Um, having said that, yeah, there's absolutely room for all of us as programs to operate within repel. Yeah, like you're saying, it's a very specialized toolbox. I mean, you can't land a helicopter in a forest. You have to get in there and cut a hell of a spot. But if you repel right. into it, then you can open up something, you know. I mean, even the medical value alone, if like someone goes like a hiker goes down in the right. woods and you need to repel in to do uh, emergency medical services on them, you guys are there. So just that value yeah. alone, I mean, that's huge. And, and you know what? We like our program has saved lives in the past and to think that, yeah, if you, if you even save one life, you should, I'm not saying be invincible as a program, but there's obviously deliver- inherent value there. You know, yeah. are you, are you going to say, what if they can save another life? Well, it certainly yeah, validates you, you the, know, program. the program. Yeah, exactly. Right. And again, those calls were happening more and more frequently every single year kind of thing. And a lot of our guys do have, uh, you know, extended military or extended medical training. Um, that's perfect for those situations, right? And, and and just being able to have, yeah, all those, you know, that Swiss Army knife kind of toolbox approach is just uh, imperative to have, I think. Oh, absolutely. I don't know, man. Well, I hope that everything goes well. I hope that we can actually get some of our listeners on board, and I hope that everybody in Canada certainly will rally behind you guys and help out the program. And I know you guys will have our American support as well. Hey, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you're taking the time, and uh, and I know, yeah, that you know this isn't your fight, but for you guys to step up and uh, you know let us use you as a platform, that's just uh, yeah, we're beyond gracious for that. Oh man, it's our fight too, by proxy. I mean, well, we, exactly, we interact with you guys all the time, especially with the last three seasons. I mean, it's just been crazy. We've had tons of uh, you guys call them exports, but we call them ah. Uh, we, what do we call it? international? I forget what we call international export, but uh, yeah, we go up there, go up there and help you guys all the time. And uh, yep. we don't want to see a program just get cut for no reason, essentially, especially with a short-sighted knee-jerk reaction uh, kind of theory behind it. It just doesn't make sense. So I hope that yeah. we can rally and get you guys saved. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, man. I really do. Uh, and, you know, yeah, like I said, we're going to keep fighting. Um, you know, 
I'm ready to hear no a few more times, <laughs> like I'm expecting to. Um, so we got plans. We're, we're searching a lot of different avenues. And again, I implore anyone to, to contact me if they have comments, questions, concerns, suggestions. Again, this is, you know, I'm not a professional in navigating this kind of system. You know, there's probably a lot of people out there with a lot of insight. I, it's one of the beautiful parts about forest fire fighting. This get literally all walks of life. You know, people like to say it's all type A, type A personalities, and I just couldn't just I couldn't disagree with that anymore. I, I truly think it's yeah, just a conglomeration of like every type of person ever that makes it so great. Oh yeah, wild wildland firefighters. They're uh, some incredible people because we have a lot of hidden talents. We only see really the firefighting aspect of it, but yeah. in reality, it goes much much deeper than that. So. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And yeah, uh, you know, people who you wouldn't think you'd be friends with normally are now your best friends on these crews and stuff like that. And you know, that that always makes me nostalgic thinking on the past too. Like it, it is, it still feels surreal thinking I might not be a forest firefighter anymore. You know, that's all I've done throughout my twenties. Like that's that's literally all I know. Like it's my first and only adult job. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels very surreal in a terrible way to think that I might not be able to go back to that. Yeah, I yeah, that's that's insane, man. I hope that it hope that everything goes good, and I hope that we can save the Alberta Repel program because you guys need it, and lives are at stake. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, so well, man, I think and and I, I really oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, that's fine. Yeah, just I, you know, I. I really don't think it sounds too hyperbolic either when we're saying, you know, lives are at stake and, you know, I think it's pretty true. Again, you know, we're, we're not the ones running into houses, pulling them out, but to say that we're not affecting lives or, or possibly saving them as forest firefighters, I think would be naive to say that at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely appreciate you again, uh, having me on here and, uh, taking the time to kind of learn about our issue and, and what we're doing to fight it. Yeah, no worries, man. So I think that's a tie-in point for the show. Um, so where can we find you? Uh, where can people reach out and find you? Yeah, either. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook or Instagram personally, uh, Adam Klein, C-L-Y-N-E. Uh, but if you mention anything on any of the Save Alberta Repels, so I'll, uh, I'll find you. Somebody will get me in contact with you. Um, or we have a lot of knowledgeable people that, that can uh, field your comments, questions, or concerns as well. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get in touch with anybody that that has any vested interest in this. Right on, man. We'll make it happen. So at the end of the show, uh, usually what I offer to you, uh, my interviewer or my interviewee, is an uh, opportunity to give a shout out or a you know to a shout out or a kudos to a homie, a hero, or a mentor. So who do you got? Oh well, there's actually so many. Uh, there's so many whose names I unfortunately, as we discussed earlier, I can't really say publicly out loud. But yeah, uh, Jordan Erlinson, uh, uh, Fenty, uh, Mike Gendron, like you know my team, my my directors, and all of this. Uh, uh, we we wouldn't be where we are uh, without any of them. And uh, you know the fact that we've made it this far already is, is incredible. And I never thought I would be here. I never really thought I wanted to be here, but uh, here we are. And I appreciate everybody that's uh, that's helped out so far. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, well, let's save that repel program. Thanks so much. Yeah. And, and uh, enjoy your turkey dinner this weekend, eh? <laughs> Will do, man. See ya. Take care. All right, guys, there we go. Episode number 24 is in the books with Adam Klein from Alberta Repellers. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
uh, I, I really, really hope that we can make this change and uh, save the Albertan Repel program. And I think that it's, well, it's my personal opinion that uh, saving $23 million by cutting a program is not worth saving potentially hundreds of millions of dollars uh, by preventing and uh, getting on small fires before they become large catastrophic fires. Also, I think that it's very short-sighted and kind of a knee-jerk reaction to cut this program and save money where they can, especially when you guys provide uh, multi-use missions. It's a multi-use mission platform. You guys do medicals. You guys do remote medicine. You guys do search and rescue. You guys do fuels reduction. You guys do uh, even initial attack on small fires to keep them small. That's the whole point of your guys' program. And to cut, you know, this entire program, well, I think it's just dumb. So, if you guys want to make some change, uh, go over to change.org and uh, sign their petition. You can search for uh, Alberta Repellers on the change.org website and sign that petition. Also, if you guys want to support them on the social media, give them a follow, spread the word. Uh, just look up Save Alberta Repel on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one. Bye.